Uh, when I was, uh, we were planning the uh, worship services for Fourth of July, when Barbara was going to be gone, we reached out to several people, and I reached out to our president, Bennett Upton, and asked if he would give a message of something about independence. That's literally the text I sent out. He just, he's like, what should I talk about? Something about independence. And when I texted him earlier this week to ask him, so what are you going to talk about? His response was, something about independence. <laughs> um, you'll notice on the front of your order of service, the title of this service is something about independence. Um, and that's, that's it. So um, I will, with that, call that. Good morning. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's a good introduction um, because, yes, today I am going to say something about independence. It's actually, I, as I started thinking about independence, I, I probably should have known that Susan was going to nail it before I even came up here. And she was going to say exactly what I intended to kind of open up with. But, uh, yeah, so um, I'm, I'm Ben Upton. I've been a member here for uh, over six years now, and um, I have the privilege of serving as the board president, as, uh, as John mentioned. Um, and the 4th of July is coming up, uh, and it celebrates the independence of our country, as uh, Susan was saying, from the, from the British monarchy, uh, whose current head of state, by the way, is Queen Elizabeth II, who seems like you know, a relatively very reasonable choice for a head of state. Um, but, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I started thinking about this whole independence thing and how we're, you know, God, we're, we're so far away from uh, the, the, the British now. And, and I start thinking that maybe uh, freedom and independence are, are kind of confused, and, and maybe independence isn't quite so important as maybe uh, as people have, have said it is. Um, and freedom is a, is a very broad term, and, and I think it's a lot more interesting to discuss than independence. Um, and, I, and I have this quote that, that, has, uh, that, I've, that I have not liked for a very long time since I was a teenager, which is uh, from Thomas Jefferson. Uh, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. And uh, maybe I just like a little bit of cognitive dissonance, which is why that sticks with me so well, um, and even though I have never liked it. Uh, but as, as Susan was saying, you know, I, I, or, or maybe a little bit different from what she was saying, uh, interdependence, I think, um, kind of nullify, nullifies uh, true independence. I, I don't think that you can really have independence. I don't think that it's a thing that you can really uh, actually have. There's always an interdependence. And maybe there are aspects of our lives in which we can gain more independence, um, but interdependence is, is something that, that never leaves us. And as a UU, I think the independent web of life kind of obviates the idea of independence in, in a lot of ways. Uh, we're all dependent upon everyone around us, and we're all dependent upon everything else in the world. Um, so I don't like talking about independence very much. I, I think that it's a, it's a myth. Um, but freedom, that's a, that's a thing. And, you know, I was, I was driving around recently, and I saw a yard sign with the word freedom on it, uh, and it had a picture of Uncle Sam. Um, and and I, I really think that uh, that sign, you know, a decoration for the 4th of July, I really think that that misses the point of, of freedom, specifically, because Uncle Sam is the guy who brought us the draft. And... <laughs> As though you can have freedom as well as forced conscription. Um, I, I, you know, forcing others towards violence removes their freedom, like very, very quickly, and obviates their independence. It's, it's not something that you can have. Um, 
the, the Revolutionary War left us with slavery. Um, it left us with a new form of uh, aristocracy that was just simply different from the one that we had before that, but it was still a form of aristocracy. Um, and as youth, uh, I was a pretty solid communist, and uh, I chafed against that idea. And now I'm retired from the military and uh, working for corporate America, and um, <laughs> I, I think I understand a bit more than I did when I was a, when I was a teenager. Um, I, I think that an individual's freedom is so fragile that it can be taken by anyone. Uh, freedom is, a, is an aspect of a very complex system. Um, and any victim of stalking can describe that, that freedom is, is very fragile and can be taken away easily. Uh, of anyone falsely convicted of a crime, victims of abuse, uh, violence, or even the draft, um, they had no choice in having their freedom removed from them. They had no ability to obtain freedom once those things were done to them. True freedom in the best of times is fleeting. And if independence is a myth and freedom is so easily taken, uh, what, what exactly was taken? Um, can we get it back? What is it even? So uh, now working in software uh, as opposed to being in the military as a mechanic, I, I think that uh, there's, there's an aspect of this that's, that's come more clear lately, which is the, uh, the free speech versus free beer, uh, which um, is, is, there's a quote by Richard Stallman, think free as in free speech, not free beer. Richard Stallman is the founder of GNU and a fierce defender of open source software. Uh, free beer is a positive liberty where free speech is a negative liberty. You're given the beer, but you still have to pay for the newspaper. Um, so there's libre versus gratis, and in Spanish or Italian, they draw a clear distinction between the, the two different kinds of free, um, where uh, gratis means that's, that's free beer, and libre is, uh, is the ability to publish whatever you want to in your, in your publication, uh, but people may not pay for it. Um, and software development has, has given me a different take on freedom than uh, the military service did, certainly. And the design of complex systems in, in software has, has changed my thinking. And even looking at it in the military, uh, system thinking and, and my own professional development, it's, it's, I've gone from being a, a mechanic to a software developer and, and, and always as a system thinker and analyzing my, my surroundings and seeing what's around me um, and, and thinking of it as a process flow as opposed to just kind of existing in my world, but looking at the processes that lead to our lives and the patterns that we have in our lives and the ways that, that our environment impacts us. Um, I'll say that simple systems and complex systems are very different. And freedom is a, is a part of a complex system, but complex systems can pose problems that seem to be intractable from the, uh, from the outside or, or to the simplistic thinker, but they can be solved with proper design. Um, and, and in software, this has led me to actually, I, I started reading a book on architecture that I think uh, that, I'm, that I'm trying to relate this all to. Um, and since building architecture relates very abstractly over to um, software architecture, you can, you can draw connections between software and residential architecture and because they both deal in very complex systems. Um, because a building is more than simply the features of its design, uh, it's everything that happens there. And the design enables a certain pattern of behaviors. Like you can't take a train down a road or walk in an elevator. Uh, you don't have the freedom to walk through the elevator. Like you have to stand there and you have to wait for it to do its thing. But it also takes you upstairs. Um, so it's, it's nice. Um, but 
I know that I can't exactly explain this very clearly, so uh, I'm going to read to you a passage um, from Christopher Alexander. He's an emeritus professor of architecture at Berkeley. And this is from his book, The Timeless Way of Building. Um, he's taken a bit of a celebrity status amongst uh, software developers, even though he writes no software. He's strictly an architect. And freedom, in his writing, is a piece of something larger that lacks a proper name. Uh, and he describes that quality in his book as it applies to architecture. I, I like the way he describes it because it, it actually rings very true of, of Taoism um, and the way that you, you can't exactly speak about it in Taoism. You can't name it. You can, you can say 10,000 things about it, but you can't name it. And that's what he has here is uh, he talks about the, the quality without a name. There is a central quality which is the root criterion of life and spirit in a man, a town, a building, or a wilderness. This quality is objective and precise, but it cannot be named. We have been taught that there is no objective difference between good buildings and bad, good towns and bad. The fact is that the difference between a good building and a bad building, between a good town and a bad town, is an objective matter. It is the difference between health and sickness, wholeness and dividedness, self-maintenance and self-destruction. In a world which is healthy, whole, alive, and self-maintaining, people themselves can be alive and self-creating. In a world which is unwhole and self-destroying, people cannot be alive. They will in inevitably themselves be self-destroying and miserable. But it is easy to understand why people believe so firmly that there is no single solid basis for the difference between good building and bad. It happens because the single central quality which makes the difference cannot be named. The quality is the most fundamental quality there is in anything. It is never twice the same, because it always takes its shape from the particular place in which it occurs. In one place it is calm, in another it is stormy, in one person it is tidy, in another it is careless, in one house it is light, in another it is dark, in one room it is soft and quiet, in another it is yellow. In one family it is a love of picnics, in another dancing, in another playing poker, in another group of people, it is not family life at all. It is a subtle kind of freedom from inter, inner contradictions. A system has this quality when it is at one with itself. It lacks it when it is divided. It has it when it is true to its own inner forces. Lacks it when it is untrue to its own inner forces. It has it when it is at peace with itself and lacks it when it is at war with itself. You already know this quality the feeling for it is the most primitive feeling for which an animal or a man can have. The feeling for it is as primitive as the feeling for our own well-being, for our own health, as primitive as the intuition which tells us when something is false or true. But to grasp it fully, you must overcome the prejudice of physics, which tells us that all things are equally alive and real. In physics and chemistry, there is no sense in which one system can be more at one with itself than another and no sense at all in, in which what a system ought to be grows naturally from what it is. Take, for example, the atoms which a physicist deals with. An atom is so simple that there is never any question whether it is true to its own nature. Atoms are all true to their own natures. They are all equally real. They simply exist. An atom cannot be more true to itself or less true to itself. And because physics has concentrated on very simple systems, like atoms, we have been led to believe that what something is, is an entirely separate question from what it ought to be, and that science and ethics can't be mixed. 
But the view of the world which physics teaches, powerful and wonderful as it is, is limited by this very blindness. In the world of complex systems it is not so. Most men are not fully true to their own natures, or fully real. In fact, for many people, the effort to become true to themselves is the central problem of life. When you meet a person who is true to himself, you feel at once that he is more real than other people are. At the human level of complexity, then, there is a distinction between systems which are true to their inner nature and those which aren't. Not all of us are equally true to our own inner nature, or equally real, or equally whole. And exactly the same is true in those larger systems, outside us, which we call our world. Not all parts of the world are equally true to themselves, equally real, equally whole. In the world of physics, any system which is self-destroying simply ceases to exist. But in the world of complex systems, this is not so. Indeed, this subtle and complex freedom from inner contradictions is just the very quality which makes things live. In the world of living things, every system can be more real or less real, more true to itself or less true to itself. It cannot become more true to itself by copying any externally imposed criterion of what it ought to be. But it is possible to define a process which will tell you how the system can become more true to itself. In short, what it ought to be, only according to what it is. This oneness, or the lack of it, is the fundamental quality for anything, whether it is in a poem, or a man, or in a building full of people, or in a forest, or a city. Everything that matters stems from it. It embodies everything. Yet still this quality cannot be named. So, an answer about what is freedom exactly. Um, I'm not, not going to give you an answer to that. Um, whether you're concerned about politics, your life, your kids, or your patio redesign, freedom is a central element of it. The complex systems of life that occur on your patio are just as real as anything else. And a poorly designed house is just as terrible as a poorly designed website, government, or life, just on very different scales. The most important aspect of it all is to be free from internal conflict, but that doesn't mean that we should, we, that we should surrender to every fight. Fighting is really what we do when we run out of alternatives. And as Isaac Asimov said, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent, but it is also how our nation was born. <laughs>